Praise God. Uh, so good to be with you today. Uh, again, this is Pastor Tim McLaughlin, and uh, we're just so excited that you have joined our Adult and Teen Challenge of the Upper Cumberland podcast. Uh, we pray it's a blessing to you. For those of you that have listened uh, continually, thank you so much. If you're new, uh, we're glad that you've joined us and hope it's a blessing to you. I want to jump right into this this morning. Uh, I've got a lot that I want to share with you. Um, you know, with all that's going on, I, I've talked about you know how we're going to go through trials and tribulations, how how things are going to come up, and and you know, um, it's just. But but God said we would have peace in Him. We will have peace because He's overcome. And uh, you know, last week I talked about you know the cave of COVID, how David dealt with adversity in the cave of Adullam. How how do you deal with adversity when you're told you can't go certain places, and you 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 know if you if you're in contact with someone, you've got to be in quarantine, or if you end up uh, you you ended up getting the COVID virus, you got to be in quarantine. And and so how have you dealt with those things? But today I want to talk to you uh, about faith. And, uh, you know, I've taught on faith before, <clears throat> and there's just so much that we could teach on faith. But I really want to ask you this morning, um, how strong is your faith? You know, in times like this, when when things uh, in the world are going crazy, I mean, we've got COVID virus. That's all you hear about. Every every day, uh, the CDC's putting out reports. Um, you You've got rioting uh, people, Black Lives Matter. You know, listen, hey, I, I get it. All lives matter. And I hate that, that some people have done some things they shouldn't have done. But, um, you know, that doesn't give us an excuse to, to burn people's businesses down and, and, and loot and do the things that we do. And, and so we've got all this civil unrest. We've got people that are against police officers. And, you know, we need people in authority in our lives. And, and now we've got this election coming up. And, and man, I have never seen uh, in all of my years, uh, all the presidents that has been elected since I've been alive, I've never seen such hatred coming out of the mouths of our, our politicians. So I guess I say all that to say this is in the middle of all that's going on, how strong is your faith? So let's just start with what is faith? Uh, maybe maybe you don't even, well, what, what do you mean? What, what do you mean about my faith? Well, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 through 3 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were formed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which were visible. Wow, that's... That's interesting. Let's back up to number one. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, but it's the evidence of things not seen. And then in verse three, he says, by faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which were seen were not made of things which were visible. You know, you go back to Genesis chapter one, it says that God, there was nothing there was nothing out there, and God spoke. God spoke the, the earth into existence, the stars into existence, the sun into existence. <clears throat> when he created the earth, he spoke again, and, and where there was no form and there was no void, uh, he, he separated the lands from the water. So there was nothing there but God. 
you know, today, we, we again, we have a lot of news. We have a lot of things that we can read. We have a lot of reports that we can look at. We have all this stuff that's visible, and people will try to convince us that, that what the news says, whether it's in print or on a, a news channel, because they say it, because they try to come up with some proof that that's the way that it is. You know, we've heard about fake news. We've heard about all these other things, and, and you know, I'm not going to get into all that, but, but, but people can try to prove what they want to prove by manipulating numbers or by trying to interview a certain group in, uh, of people. So they try to prove things based on what's seen. But but what does the Word of God say? And you say, well, Pastor Tim, the Word of God is written. Well, it is. But what do you believe about what you've not seen? Have you ever seen Jesus? Have you ever seen God? Have you ever seen the Holy Spirit? Have you ever seen uh, when, when someone has a healing anointing, is there something different? Are their hands like glowing in the dark? No. So it's what we don't see, but yet we believe because of faith. The Bible, or Strong's Concordance rather, Strong's Concordance says about faith, faith is a conviction of the truth of anything, a belief. It's a conviction of of a truth of anything, it's a belief. Where's your conviction? What What are the things that convict you? What Just because somebody tells you something, I mean, we all have a level of discernment. People have told us some things before and we think, ah, you know, I just don't know about that. That just doesn't, you know, that doesn't set well with me. There's a conviction there. There's things that you believe, even though you may not have been taught even though nobody maybe showed you certain things, there are just certain things that's instilled within us, uh, a certain conviction of truths. You know, the Bible says again in Genesis chapter 2 that God breathed in our nostrils and man became a living being. Understand, we have a remnant of, of this presence of God in our lives. And then what happens is circumstance in life, and maybe we grew up in a bad environment, or, or, or maybe we had parents that were not godly people, and maybe we never went to church. But there's a, there's a certain level of conviction inside of us because we have the presence of God. There's a remnant of His Spirit in us that tells us when we're doing things that we should not be doing, and when we're doing things that we should be doing. There's that conviction. The, the dictionary says about faith that faith is the confidence or trust in a person or thing, a system of religious beliefs. Now, that's what the dictionary says. You know, there, there's a lot of people that believe in a lot of things, um, a lot of different religions. There are people that believe in Muhammad. Listen, Muhammad died. He was a real person, but he died, and he's not done anything since. Buddha was a real person, but he died, and he has not done anything since. Jesus Christ died and rose from the grave and is still alive today. We have this assurance. You say, well, how can you know that? You've never seen Jesus. I have experienced things in my life that, that I can tell you I know that it was God. I struggled with a 20-year addiction to drugs and to alcohol, and, and I had an encounter with Jesus that, does, that set me free. Did I see him? No. But did I feel his presence? Absolutely, yes. And it, and it changed my life forever. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. I read this book a couple years ago, great book if you ever get a chance to read it, it's called Behind the Veil, and it's about a woman who grew up in a, in a, uh, a Muslim household, 
And she was when she was born, her mother died, and she was born kind of lame in her legs. And all these years, she went on, and her dad kept her hid, and, and he would talk to her about Muhammad, and they would do all these prayers, and he would read the Quran to her. And, and you know, in that faith, the women aren't, weren't allowed to read the Quran for themselves. And, and really, they didn't, a lot of times, lame people were just left to die, but her dad kept her alive. And the story goes on, well, as a, as a late teen, early 20s, um, she, her dad had taken her to see this doctor in France. And this doctor said there was nothing he could do. He said all, all that she needed to do is she needed to, to, to pray to Jesus. And, and her dad got mad and took her out of the doctor's office. She began to ask her dad, who is this Jesus? He said, you don't need to worry about it. You know, he was, he was just a prophet. Well, she, she came back home. And one night she said, you know, whoever this Jesus is, I would like to meet him. And Jesus appeared to her and healed her body. And what she did is she started reading the Quran for herself. And she realized what the Quran said about who Jesus was and it encouraged her faith. And then she had an encounter with Jesus that healed her. Then she began to study the Bible and believe what the Bible said. And her family shunned her. She was healed miraculously, had an encounter with Jesus, got saved, and her family shunned her. But as long as she was lame, as long as she was listening to her dad read about the Quran and about Muhammad, they were okay with that. But as soon as she had an encounter with Jesus, they began to shun her. See, that was religion. What she did is she had a relation. She had, a, she had an encounter with the one true God. So really to say all this, simply to say is that faith is what you put your conviction, your trust, and your full belief in. It's what you live before others. It's what you live out before others. Let me, let me read this to you in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 9. Uh, verse 27, beginning in verse 27, Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 27, says, When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, get this now, verse 28, Matthew chapter 9, verse 28, Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Verse 29. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be to you. And in verse 30, their eyes were open, and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, See that no one knows it. Now, I, I find this, this passage of Scripture so interesting and so enlightening because Matthew says that these two blind men come to Jesus and they're already asking, they're saying, they're saying, can you heal us? Have mercy on us. And Jesus asked them the question, do you believe that I'm able? And then, then it says, they said yes. And so when he laid his hands on me, he said, he said, according to your faith, not according to my power, not according to, to my heavenly father and his power, not according to, to the fact that he's the creator, the savior uh, of the of the universe. No, he says, you will be healed according to your faith. You will be healed according to your conviction and according to your full belief. And because of their full belief, it says that their eyes were open. You know, you could actually read this story differently. And what if these men had doubt? What if they doubted that he could really heal them? Would their eyes have been opened because it was done according to their faith? 
So my question to you this morning, uh, or whenever you're listening to this, my question is, how strong is your faith? What do you believe? Where is your conviction? I want to share with you today several different stories. I'll try to keep this as brief as I can, but I really want to try to get this point across to you. If you have your Bibles, go to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 17. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 17. Um, if you don't have your Bible, maybe you're driving down the road. I listen to a lot of podcasts driving. and Just, just keep focused and let me read this to you. So 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 17 says, Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to him, uh, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? And he said, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have in that you have forsaken the commandment of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel, 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent for the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter by two opinions? Okay. First Kings 18, verse 21, Elijah the prophet tells Ahab to gather all the false prophets of Baal and Asherah to bring them to Mount Carmel. And in verse 21, Elijah the prophet of God says, he, when he came to the people, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. So what, what this is saying is that these prophets of Baal and these prophets of Asherah, they believed in the one true God. They believed in the God of Elijah, but they didn't have enough conviction to believe that he was the one true God. So they were seeking after the false gods of Baal and Asherah. So verse 22 says, Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet to the Lord, but, the, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let him choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces and lay it in wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire under it. Then you will call upon your gods and I will call upon the name of the Lord and the God that answers by fire. He is God. So all the people answered and said, well spoken. So let me pause again. So Elijah is saying, listen, you're faltering, you're wavering back and forth. Let's do this. Let's get two bulls kill these bulls, you make your altar, and you lay your bull on your altar, <clears throat> I'll kill my bull, and I'll lay it on my altar, and the God that consumes the bull with fire will be the one true God. The, the God that shows up will be the one true God. Okay, so verse 25, it says, so Elijah said to the prophet of Baal, choose a bull, they do all this, verse 26, so they took the bull which was given to them, and they prepared and called on the name of the, called on the name of Baal, from morning till evening. O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is God. Either he is meditating, or he is busy, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they cried aloud and cut themselves as it were their custom with knives and lances 
until the blood gushed out of them. I like, there's one translation that says that maybe your God is in the bathroom relieving himself. They're crying, they're, they're, they're leaping upon the altar, they're crying loud, they're screaming. Then they begin to cut themselves to get the attention of this false God. Why? 850 prophets of a false God named Baal believed in something that they had not seen. They had such a conviction that they were willing to harm themselves over a God that had done nothing for them. <clears throat> you know, we, we, there, there's a spirit of pharmakia. Pharmakia. Pharmakia is a spirit. That's where we get our English word pharmacy, dispensing of drugs. We got people that will worship, excuse me, we got people that will worship drugs and they will worship alcohol and they will worship drug addicts and drug dealers. And you say, well, I didn't worship. Well, yeah, you did. You, you put more confidence and more trust in those than you did in the God that could deliver you and the God that will save you and the God that wants to heal you and the God that desires for you to have abundant life. Listen. People have worshipped false gods for years. And, and they, they call it, I mean, there are people that worship the god of football. There are people that worship the, the god of baseball. There are people that worship the god of money. There are people, and, and they worship these false gods. Their conviction and their belief is set upon these things so to the point that they do harm to themselves. They will work tons of hours and kill themselves for the almighty dollar. They will, they will do drugs and, and destroy their life over the God of drugs or alcohol. They will, they will destroy themselves with disease over the God of sex. And yet the one true God, the God that desires to save and to heal, the God that promises them uh, an abundant life, they will not call out to him. If you continue to read the story here in 1 Kings 18, it says that the God of the Baals never showed up. But then Elijah told him, said, hey, take a bunch of water, pour it over my sacrifice. And they, they did that three times. They, they soaked his, uh, his sacrifice. And then he called upon the name of the Lord one time. He didn't have to scream, leap, cut himself, or do anything crazy. He just called upon the name of the Lord God. And instantly fire fell and consumed his sacrifice. That is the God in whom we serve. Let's look again at another story, Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 through 7 it says, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dur in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, administrators, the governors and counselors, the treasurers, the judges and magistrates and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. I know I'm reading fast. I apologize. I want to get this across to you. Verse 3. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the province gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image of Nebuchadnezzar. Then the, then the herald cried aloud, 
To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time that you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, the symphony, with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And who do, whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. So King Nebuchadnezzar builds this statue, this huge uh, statue that was that was sixty cubits high and and six cubits in width, and and it was this big statue of himself. And he tells the people, when the music plays, you need to bow down and worship me. And if you don't worship me, I will throw you into the fiery furnace. People bowed and worshipped a false god, the idol that Nebuchadnezzar had built of himself, <clears throat> because of their fear and their belief that was lived out in front of them. Their fear was in a man-king who was using threatening them, threatening them with death in the fire if they didn't bow down. If you go on and you read the story, but there were three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that refused to bow down to the king. Why? Why would they refuse when everybody else is doing it and they live in Babylon themselves? Because their faith, their conviction, was in the God of the universe. Their faith was stronger than the fear of death. Their faith was stronger than the fear of death. Then the story goes on that, 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 that all these people brought Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before King Nebuchadnezzar said they won't bow down. The king said, I'll give you one more chance. They said, you can give us another chance, but we're not going to bow down to your false god. And he said, I'll throw you in the fire. And they said, you might. And we may perish in that fire, but if we do, we'll go to be with our God. If we don't perish, if our God wants us to live, then we shall live. He'll rescue us out of that. And, and of course, he threw them in and heated the fire up uh, 10 times hotter, threw them into the fire. And then he looked into the fire and he said, didn't I throw three men in there? Isn't there four? And one looks like the son of God. And when he called them out of the fire, they didn't smell like smoke. They were not singed anywhere. And then Nebuchadnezzar himself announced to all the people, there is only one true God and that is the God of the Hebrews. Why? Because these men believed in the, the one true God. Their faith and conviction in their God and the one true God was stronger than their fear of death. Is yours? Is your faith in God stronger than your fear of what the news is trying to rise up, stir up in you over this whole COVID virus? Where's your faith? Another story is found in Genesis 19, verse 12 through 25. And I'm not going to read all this this morning. Uh, Genesis 19, 12 through 25. So, so you got to back up and you got to understand. So, so, so the Lord himself and two angels appear to Abraham and they tell Abraham that they're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham begins to negotiate with the Lord. He said, well, what if you find 50? What if you find 40? What if you find 30? What if you find 20? What if you find five righteous people? And the Lord said, if I find five righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, I will not destroy them. Five people that will worship the one true God, I will not destroy so the angels go down into the, the, the city and they find Lot and they find his family and they begin to tell him uh, right here in Genesis 19 verse 12. It says that they get your whole family. So they even go to his son-in-law's 
and, and tell his son-in-laws and his daughters, and you need to get out of this place. But they, the, the son-in-laws, the daughters, the, the people in this area, they thought that they were joking. And, and, and even though they had seen all the, the homosexuality, all the violence, all the hatred, all the, the drunkenness that was going on, they would not trust in the angels of the Lord that had come to rescue them. And so the, the angels told a lot, you need to get your family out of here. So Lot begins to take his two daughters and his, his wife, and they begin to leave Sodom. And, and so the angel tells him, go to the mountains. And he says, listen, he says, can I, can I instead go to the city? And the angel says, listen, you can go to, to the city of Zoar, but you need to get there quick because I've been instructed by the one true God that I cannot destroy Sodom and Gomorrah until I know that you're safe. So as soon as Lot and his family got to Zoar and they were safe, the angels of the Lord rained down brimstone and fire and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. The angel of the Lord came to Lot and his family to warn them of the destruction that was coming. Even after men in the town were blinded because of their sin, Lot's son-in-law still would not go with them. Verse 14 says, It seems as one mocked them or made fun of their belief in their false gods. So they stayed and they died because of their faith in a false god. All the people of Sodom, including Lot's son-in-laws, stayed in a town full of sin and died because of their 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 beliefs in the in the false gods in, in their in the in the sin that was taking place. Listen, drugs are running rampant. Alcoholism is running rampant. Se sexual addictions are running rampant. All the home, all this stuff is going is is destroying our nation. We're seeing people jails are busting at the seams. Can't even hold all the inmates we've got. We, we've got uh, places like Adult and Teen Challenge that, that, that uh, you know, we talk about the one true God, and yet people want to go to a 30 or 45-day program that will give them a pill and tell them that, that once an addict, always an addict, and you're going to have to go to meetings for the rest of your life. And yet people are destroying themselves when we're sitting here talking to you about the truth. Where's your faith? Where's your conviction? What do you believe in? I want to share with you one more story. First Samuel fifth, uh, chapter 5. First Samuel chapter 5. So the Philistines captured, they defeat the army of the, the, the children of Israel. They capture the Ark of the Covenant, which is the presence of God for that time. They take the Ark of the Covenant and they bring it to, to the house of Ebenezer uh, of Ashdod and they put the Ark of, of God in this, this house that is the same house that holds their false god, Dagon. Now, if you read this story, when you get your opportunity, 1 Samuel chapter 5, what happens is this. They stick the ark of God, the presence of God, in this house with this wooden statue. These people carved a wooden statue, and they called it, it the god of Dagon. The first morning they come walking in, and, and the God, their, their false god Dagon, the, this wooden piece has fell down his face first to the ground. So they took Dagon, they set him back up, and they go about their business. The next day they come out there, and this piece of wood, this, this statue of this false god Dagon, is now laying face down, but his head has, has been broken off and his arms have been broken off. 
And so what do they do? They said that the that they have to get rid of the Ark of the Covenant. They have to get it out of there because this Ark that is, has, has caused their wooden god Dagon to fall down, that this this the the God of the of the 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 Hebrews, the God of the children of the Israel, the presence of God that has shown up. It even goes on and says that there there were tumors on the people. It says that this God we got to get rid of because look what he's done to our God Dagon. This piece of wood hasn't done anything for them, but they've put more faith into their false god than they did to worship the one true God. And so they they built a cart uh, and and put the Ark of the Covenant on this cart and sent it away so that they could worship their false god, Dagon. There's so many more stories, uh, Acts chapter 14, that that we could look at where where Paul and and Barnabas um, go in to this town and, and people, again, are worshiping false gods. You know, People will sit there and they will look at crippled people. They will look at addicted people. They will look at people that are bound. And instead of calling upon the one true God, they will continue to follow after these false gods that have done anything for them. Why? Where's your faith? Where is your conviction? Again, I want to go back to where I started in Matthew chapter 9. Because Jesus looked at these two blind men and he said, according to your faith, let it be to you. Well, pastor, I've been struggling with sickness. I've been struggling with, with, you know, finances. I've been struggling with addiction. I've been struggling with pornography. I've been struggling with these thoughts. Well, you need to change your faith. You need to change your belief. You need to call upon the God that created the heavens and the earth. You need to call upon the one true God. Our faith in God needs to be stronger than than the, the, the life and the people of this world. John chapter 14 verse 6 says that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Do you have faith to believe. Do you have faith to believe? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will confess before my father who is in heaven. Again, faith is what we put our conviction, our trust, and our full belief in. What do you believe in? Where have you put your complete trust? Do you believe more in the false gods and the rhetoric of this world? Or will you call upon the name of the one true God? Faith is the evidence of things hoped for and the promise of things not yet seen. I've never seen Jesus personally, but I know that he is. And that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Father God, I pray for each and every one that's listened to this podcast today. I pray, Father, that I've said something that's stirred up in them. I know that the Word of God is truth, that the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. I pray, Father God, that they would turn their faith toward you, call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, repent of their sins, and ask you to be Lord of their life, that they would turn from their wicked ways, Father, and begin to live a life that is pleasing to you. 
Father, I thank you that you are the healer. You are the Savior. You are the one true God. Lord, I pray for our nation. I pray for our president. I pray for revival to hit our land. And I pray for each and every one that's listening, Lord, that they would turn their hearts to you. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, crucified, buried, and risen from the dead, seated at the right hand of God the Father, and he wants to pour his Holy Spirit upon all of those that will call upon his name. According to our faith, let it be to us. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening. If you need us, please call us. Check us out on the web. We're here for you. We love you. And until next week, be blessed.